0: Welcome to Ask Dr. Change. I'm Dr. Linda Ackerman Anderson. I'm happy to have you join me today to explore how to seriously uplevel your leadership and consulting to transformational changes, all through Conscious Change Leadership. Welcome, today's episode is a very special event for me. I'm interviewing Daryl Connor, who's one of the godfathers of the change profession. A part of my intention for these interviews, Daryl is the first, I'm honored and blessed, and uh, I will be interviewing thought leaders in the field. And Daryl is first on my list and a priority influencer of the field. Daryl and I met in the early 1980s where we were both presenting at an aluminum manufacturing plant to the manufacturing uh, managers, to the management team. And we both got an opportunity to experience each other's initial work way back then. And we've remained in contact and friends ever since. And so professionally, I believe that we grew up in this field and we also grew this field and so daryl by way of um, introducing i'd like to read just a little bit about your lengthy bio and then have you uh, say hi and embellish and we'll go from there so a bit about daryl from daryl's bio for over 50 years, Darrell has educated and advised strategic leaders and veteran change practitioners in many of the world's most successful organizations. He is co founder and chairman of three distinct but related platforms that he uses to deliver his work Connor Advisory, Connor Partners, and Connor Academy. Darrell's work is built on a strong foundation of research extensive consulting experience, and a master's degree in psychology. He has authored two books, seminal in the field, Managing at the Speed of Change and Leading at the Edge of Chaos, and more than 250 publications. Daryl's recent work, uh, the newer published work, has been made available through blogs, essays, and white papers, and Daryl, I would invite you to add any embellishment to your background, so our listeners know a bit more about you.
1: Well, it's good to be with you, Linda. Uh, thanks for the invitation. The journey for me started I, in the military. I was very fortunate uh, while I was in the army to be placed in a uh, in a unit that was it was kind of a. It was sort of the psychology version of MASH. It, <laughs> it was psychologists and psychiatrists and social workers, and we were all thrown together. And um, this was at Fort Benning, Georgia, and, and that happened to be the place where anything experimental in the Army was done there uh, around weapons or anything else. So they, they tossed two really interesting projects and said, you guys got to figure it out. One was drug abuse. Um, and the other was race relations. And, um, so that was the, that was the pool that I got to swim in for three years when I it was in, and this is, this was the height of the Vietnam war. And so I just got a, an amazing set of experiences, but also wonderful learning opportunity to work with these psychiatrists and social workers. I didn't know it then we were, we were just trying to create clinical programs for drug abuse and race relations. Uh, I didn't realize then, Linda, that it was actually my introduction to change dynamics because we built what we thought were were good programs and no one was using them. And so the emphasis for my assignment was to figure out, well, how do we get these, these military leaders to rotate into the direction of using these programs? And um, so I didn't, have a, I didn't have a clue that I was actually beginning to be immersed in organizational dynamics of change. And so that was really the origin for me.
0: Beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, I think back over the early days that led us into this world and uh, into this work, and I realized we had so much fun, what I call oh, yeah. making stuff up. You know, it's like figuring it out, trying it out. How was that for you? Well,
1: I'm glad I didn't know what I didn't know because I think I'd have been really scared. I like it was just fun. I mean, I'm a I'm a student of patterns. I love to try to find patterns and where do they go? And so I was just um I had because of the counseling work that was done in the military, um, I was focused in on. Uh, I worked a lot with families that had lost somebody in Vietnam, and, and families with the drug abuse and race relations. And so I was used to to dynamics at that level around change. But but to your to your point, moving out and trying to figure out how does any of that apply to organizational dynamics. Because as you know, back in the late sixties, early seventies, there was very little documentation about dynamics of change, some, but not a lot. And so it was, it was a lot of hunting and pecking and this isn't working. Let's try something else. And, and I was, I was too naive to do to feel anything other than just fortunate that I got to play, play around with that stuff. And, uh, Only, honestly, only later did it become clear that it actually potentially had more importance than just
0: having fun. Right. Beautiful. Well, I want to talk about what's become clear and ask you so after all of this time, what does success look like to you? What does it mean to have really achieved what you've intended or you've supported your clients? to achieve. What's that look like for you? And success in your perception of the services that you've provided.
1: I'm really clear, Linda, that I don't think it's my job to ensure that they do what's what I would think is the, follow the right path. I, I don't think that's my role. I'm not there to make sure they make the right decisions. I'm there to make sure they make informed decisions. So, So that's a key to to the success in the relationship between myself and most of my work is with CEOs and the boards and the senior teams. And so at that level, ensuring even if they are going to make a turn that's contrary to what I've suggested, um, I, I don't measure my influence by how often they agree with me. Uh, I, I it's nice when they do, but I, I measure the influence based on to what degree do they value my input, even if they go in a different direction. Um, and so that to me, that's a measure of of whether or not I'm I'm providing value to them is if they've if if my perspective or my recommendations have have opened up uh, avenues for them to pursue as they as they think about what they're going to do, regardless of which way they go. So. So in terms of my success, that's, that's what I'm hoping to accomplish. In terms of their success, uh, it, it's important from my standpoint that they be attuned to the distinction between installing change and realizing change, with with installation being all those enablers. We have to train people. We have to reorganize. We have to merge, whatever uh, but realization is, well, what's all that in service to? And what I have found is that our profession has tended to gravitate its success measures toward installation metrics rather than realization metrics. The combination of their success in mind is if I can help them make informed decisions and that leads them toward realization, then I, I, I think that we've formed a good partnership
0: beautiful. You know, I, I'm um, imagining what I'm about to share with you. I imagine it to be true. I want you to comment on it. The work that you're doing now with large-scale global NGOs, it's work of value, it's work of meaning. It makes a difference to the world. And so they're realizing their realization of the changes they want to make and landing the impact they want to have has to be meaningful to you has to be a driver. Is that accurate?
1: Uh, it, it is, um, so much so that I I had to create a platform for, for myself. Uh, I, I reached a point where just pro bono occasional work in this sector, I didn't feel like that was enough of a contribution. And so um got somebody else to you know, to run uh, Counter Partners, which, which is where the corporate work is done. And it allowed me to focus in on, on I spend most of my time with, with NGOs. What's interesting, Linda, to me, it's interesting, is there's nothing any different about the change-related challenges in that sector. They, whatever, whatever you run into in terms of resistance to change and cultural, all of that is there. Um, so they're not immune to any of that. But the difference is what's at stake. So instead of profitability or customer satisfaction or the, some, of the, some of the other metrics that, that are, are more relevant for the corporate arena, here we're talking about if, if they do or don't succeed with some of their transformational change at a minimum it's going to make a difference in the quality of life of who they're serving and for some of the organizations i work with what's at stake is actually lives themselves so doctors without borders and 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 habitat for humanity they they are they're literally saving lives or not saving lives dependent on whether they can accomplish a transformation so it's it's just incredibly um Rewarding to be to be able to feel like that that I have a a voice to try to help them in in service to the, to that level of change. But the dynamics, Linda, of what what I've always done is not that's not any different.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, how about serving change consultants? You also find that meaningful. In what ways do you serve and develop change consultants?
1: Well, the third platform is Connor Academy, and and it was established about eight years ago now. Uh, I went to uh, Ed Boswell is my business partner uh, uh, for both the academy and the uh, and the advisory work. Ed was uh, in charge of uh, change management for PwC until he hit that magic retirement age, and I was fortunate enough to 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 convince him to, to come and, and do this work. He's an amazing, amazing human being and an incredible partner. And what we wanted to do together was to have a vehicle where we could be in service to CEOs and, and their direct reports and the boards of these, these NGO entities. But also um, we wanted to be in service to, to change practitioners that were, Aspiring either already were at the mastery level of their craft, but, but part of the definition of mastery is you're never finished. And so they, those that were looking to extend their mastery or those that aspire to move into mastery, there just aren't many places. You and Dean certainly have created space for that, but there's not many other places that I found where 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 it wasn't about tools and techniques. That's that's a that's a key element for me. I, the, uh, the academy is very methodology agnostic. It doesn't matter to me what the certification is, but but to come to the to the academy program, it's vital that you already be grounded in some uh, some version of tools and techniques because we're not going there. We're talking about taking the tools and techniques and elevating them their value to another level by incorporating who you are. So there's, if you think of our methodologies, we all have them. Those, if that's what we do, then incorporating who we are into that is where mastery level, that's where wisdom and insight comes from. It's not, it's not just the tools and techniques. And so that platform was created so that, so that Ed and I could, could be in service to practitioners that, wanted to move to that level. Now, personally, uh, my hope is that some of those that go through the academy are, will be will gain some interest in, in the NGO sector. I always try to encourage them to at least consider some part of their portfolio um, to be, whether it's pro bono or paid for work, whatever, in some way see how you can be in service to, to changes that matter. And so that I want to make a distinction between changes that work and changes that matter and work or any of the things we might find ourselves supporting changes that matter are changes that matter to you or to me so it's only it's up to us to decide nobody else can tell us a change that matters but finding a change that 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 you have a personal investment in uh hopefully a change that can make a difference in the quality of the human experience in some way that's what i hope our profession could be better positioned to provide to provide some support to.
0: Beautiful. Well, that leads me into a question I want to ask you about is, where do you think the profession needs to go next? What additional ways of being, services, what do you think the future of the change profession is?
1: Well, I've probably already tipped my hand in that regard because, um, I feel, Linda, like as a prof- there's certainly exceptions to what I'm about to say, but as a profession, we've we've gravitated toward being technicians rather than artists, and oh. uh, and I and I think that there's a continuum here, and and with artistry on one end and and, and technical skills around tools and technique, the whole continuum is valuable. So there's no place that there's not value but there's so much almost obsession with certification and finding the next set of tools that my concern is that as a profession we're not providing enough support for 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 the other end of the continuum for the mastery end of the continuum and and by mastery I don't mean I've already got two certifications so I'm going for a third or fourth one that's I'm I'm not talking about that I'm talking about about moving into a realm where, where I'm the instrument, you're the instrument, and how does that get incorporated into whatever tools and techniques we use? So my, my wish is that as a profession, we, we would not be so technically focused that we don't see that there's something on, this, on the other side of certification. I think we should start with certifications. I'm not anti-certification but, but, what's on the other side of that? I, I wish, as a profession, we had
0: more of a voice for that. Beautiful. Well, that answers uh, part of my next question, one of, I want to ask you, if you were to give three tips or themes or guidance, so uh, one question is for leaders of major transformational efforts and then secondarily for consultants. So you've started with consultants about moving beyond tools, techniques, certifications to ways of being that enable them to be greater masters of the craft. So if you want to add anything further for consultants and then share with me your thoughts about leadership. At the transformational change level, a lot of leaders are,
1: they're seeking change management guidance but they're looking for somebody to offload it to transformational change has got to be between the practitioner and these leaders has got to be a partnership. It can't, we, this isn't something we can do for them. And that's not, that's not always well received. Um, I, I look for, I look for scar tissue when, when there's a new engagement, um, leaders that have been through enough change that they, you know, if if they had all the answers, they wouldn't be looking for help. But but they've learned enough to know that they can't just dump it on our shoulders, and I'll check in with you occasionally. Uh, and I think that that insight comes from making mistakes and having scar tissue. And so that's something I really emphasize: is the is that these leaders are used to flying very high and 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 expecting somebody else to do, do some of the, or, or a lot of the work, if not all of it, I'm in the middle of an, of an engagement right now with an NGO where, um, they are, they're the ones they can't, they're not offloading it to somebody else. They're the ones that are struggling with, how do we articulate the ultimate strategic intent of this huge, massive transformation? Um, no one else can, can do that other than them. And, uh, that, didn't, that hasn't come easy for them. They, they assumed that HR would do that for them or whatever. So, so that's, that's one message that I think is important for leaders is, is that if you go for transformational change, then you're going to have to be personally very involved. And related to that is an axiom that you can't, as a leader, you can't transform an institution unless you're willing to transform yourself, that, that it, this, it becomes very personal. Oh what what do I have to learn and modify in my leadership to up my game so that we as an organization can lift our game up? Leaders are not always calibrated toward that as an expectation. And if I was going to pick one more for your third one, it's that leaders need at that level need to understand their their job isn't to make transformational change comfortable for people because it's inherently uncomfortable. Their job isn't to to ensure comfort. Their job is to help the organization succeed despite the discomfort that they're going to have to go through. Uh, Most of them, they don't value struggle. And so they're looking for, well, how do we do this without disrupting things? And of course we all want to minimize disruption all we can, but but you don't transform without disruption, without struggle. Uh, and again, that, that's, that's not been a, for some leaders, that's not been
0: an easy lesson for them to learn. For sure. Absolutely. Beautiful. You know, you're, I, I want you to go to consultants, but you're men, uh, answering another question that I have for you. And that is the biggest challenges you have in serving leaders at the, the executive level. And so you're talking about some of those, if you want to comment on that before we talk about change consultants.
1: Relative to the sophistication and the complexity, these, these NGOs are, a lot of people think of NGOs as kind of small mom and pop shots. These are multi-billion dollar institutions and they're all over the, the world and, and they're there to save lives. Um, the complexity the and the sophistication of what is happening, from my experience, just continues to escalate. Just the, every every week, every month, every year, Ed and I are kind of, you know, kind of blown away at the at the complexity the ch- of the level of challenge that they're dealing with. Which means, of course, that we have to be we have to up our game to to deal to help them with that. So. My biggest challenge is I feel like there's an embarrassing gap. I've been, okay, I've been at it 50 years, but there's an embarrassing gap, embarrassing for me, between what I've learned and what kind of challenge is coming in. So, so my biggest concern is that I won't learn enough fast enough to keep up with um with, with the request, if you will, for, you know, can you come help us with this? And this oftentimes is something, whoa, I've never seen that before. <laughs> my biggest worry is, is can, I, can I keep moving fast enough in my own learning to be able to genuinely be the resource that, that they're asking me to be?
0: Yeah, they by the title of your book, Leading at the Speed of Change, right? <laughs> and, and the Edge of Chaos. And so dealing with the, <laughs> with the complexity that is required now, You know, there's nothing more humbling than doing this work in complex organizations, complex transformation, which is so emergent and messy. And so I think the tying the work that you're doing, developing mastery and change consultants, it also embodies being humble in the face of what being asked to help serve. And so I hear that in what what you're sharing. Well,
1: on, I don't. I don't even. I don't think of it as as humility as much as just just facing the reality of how much more. I mean, you would think after fifty years we would kind of go, yeah, well, yeah, I know what to do. Well, I do. I know what to do at a certain level, but but they're they're bringing multiple levels above that, and and so. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of easy to keep your feet on the ground when every when every day you're kind of wondering, can I stay ahead of this curve enough to really keep providing value? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So how to stay present in the face of that higher degree of complexity, and so that you could listen internally about what's next to receive guidance about how to try out possibilities to serve them. That's really
1: important. Being able to have have my own spiritual grounding, so that yes. that I, how I relate to it, Linda, is that that I, I'm not a source of any of this stuff. I'm just a conduit, but but my job as a conduit, I actually have work to do as a conduit. I've got to keep the ego plaque free out of the pipe because when that pipe starts getting my ego in it, it gets things start getting distorted. And it's a full-time job keeping my ego plaque.
0: (laughs) Welcome to humanity. (laughs) True, true. So more for consultants, additional tips for consultants. You talk about both sides of both the the methodology as well as way of being. What else for change consultants would you advise?
1: My experience is, is that many, arguably most in our profession, have been, have been taught that whatever you think is going on, whatever recommendation you want to offer, you've got to frame it into what will be comfortable for them. Um, the language oftentimes used, Linda, that I hear is, is you, have, you, have to, you have to go to where they are. And, and my response to that is, of course, we go to where, we, where they are, but we can't stay where they are. We have to challenge. We have to, to push the envelope or, or all, we're, all we're doing is, is, is serving as a commodity to, to – by that I mean if, I, if you're my client and I'm trying to make sure that you're, you're not disturbed in any way and I'll bring you just a little bit of what really needs to happen – Um, I'm putting my, I'm putting my own comfort and security ahead of the promise I made to you. Assuming I made you a promise, big change. Yes, I will bring you some guidance about how you can manage that. If I actually water that down so that I can ensure that you're not going to be upset with me or just, then I don't think I'm living up to our professional responsibility. And so I would encourage us as professionals, to take ourselves seriously. Um, You don't find a heart surgeon, Linda, at the first aid station. That's just not the best use of their skills. If change management actually isn't smoke and mirrors, if it really does have value, and if a practitioner is really good at practicing this craft, I think then it's not just an opportunity. I think there's a, a responsibility to to show up fully, to bring, to bring it all forward so that I don't know if the client is going to accept what I'm suggesting. What, what I do know is that if they decide to do something different than what I'm suggesting, so I've suggested X, they've decided they'll do 50% of X, no problem with that. I just want them to understand the vulnerability of the other 50%. That's all. That's Because that means they're making an informed decision to do 50% of X. As practitioners, if we only bring 50%, they actually think that that's what they should be
0: doing. So, uh, Daryl, about, again, challenges and advice, guidance for change consultants to step up and be fully present, to be courageous uh, in what they are advising about.
1: Courage isn't manifested by... I'll run into the burning building as soon as it's safe to save the children. No, by, by its nature, it is risky to step forward with what the practitioner actually is seeing and what they think needs to go on. So, so this isn't about, how do I do that and protect myself? It's how do I put the, what is best for the client in front of what's best for me? Um, and and that's just that's what other that we I think we that's why I was saying let's let's draw from how physicians hopefully how how they operate. They they first of all, they they don't go to the first aid station. They if they're a heart surgeon, they go to where they can have the greatest value. They're frank with their patients about what's really going on, even when it's upsetting to them. and. And they are very prescriptive. Uh, if if you want to survive this cancer, these are the three things you have to do. If you decide to do two of them, that's fine. You're just, here's, here's what that does to your odds. That is a professional that is taking him or herself seriously and saying, it's up to you, patient or client, to decide what to do with that. I'm not going to I'm not going to water down my guidance to you because I think you'll only do two when in fact there's three. Yes, it's risky, but let me let me use this Linda as a as a as a doorway to a, a research project that I did a number of years ago. So I went to um, I went to uh, leaders who were spending money on change management. They either were buying outside consultants or they were hiring inside uh, practitioners. So they were spending money, and I said, "What value are you getting from the money you're spending?" I was unprepared. Twenty-five percent of the leaders I talked to said they got no value at all from change management. They didn't want no more. They weren't going to spend any more money. I was I was blown away. At twenty-five percent, to me, is way high. Sixty-five percent said, "Oh yeah, that change management stuff. I like it. I'm glad they're here. Um, I get plenty. I get good value. No problem." I don't think of them as strategic resources, but I'm glad they're here for that tactical communication stuff. Only 10% of the time that I hear leaders say, oh, uh -uh. I would never go into a major critical change without some kind of partnership with somebody really good at change management. So what that's telling me is that most most of the requests that come to our profession let me use the numbers i just gave let's say 65% of the requests that come in are asking for just basic fundamental change management you know it's not going to require a lot of courage or just some basics but 10% of the time leaders are dealing with much more complexity than that they're seeking wisdom they're seeking insight not just tools and techniques and and so I hope that as a profession we can move up and down that continuum, and as at individual practitioners we can decide. Well, how do? What kind of portfolio do I want? Do I want to do all my work in the solid performer stage, or do I want to move into that ten percent high impact stage? I'm not, I, Linda. I'm not suggesting there's anything pejorative here. It's not good or bad. It's Important that we know. What kind of portfolio do we aspire to? What kind of we got? Do we do we need to be more prepared for that higher impact work?
0: Yeah, Daryl, you're you're um, triggering for me um, three terms that we use. One is change management. You've used that a lot, which I orient more to the tools and techniques. Then for us, change leadership, which is, uh, in really investing in the leadership of transformation and what leaders, how leaders need to be and what they need to do. And then ultimately conscious change leadership, which is the strategic advisory and self awareness to be able to know how to influence the awareness and the consciousness of the leaders we're serving. So. Comment on that. So there's three. It is a continuum um, or nested frame, so to speak, going up. But as you refer to the field as change management, what comes up for you and how about what you're describing as where the field needs to go? How would you describe that direction?
1: I was using the terms that I hear most practitioners use and I was using the term that most clients use. I personally, when I'm talking about a profession, I talk about strategy execution. I never talk about yes. change management. Um, because to your point, change management to me is that 65% zone. I, I want to say it again, plenty of value. There's nothing wrong with that work. That's honorable work. But strategy execution, it, which is consistent with that continuum that you and Dean have, to me, that's 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 at a, a, a different realm. and um, And so- on the on your third tier, which is which is the consciousness raising, uh, you and Dean, as I understand it, you come at it much more explicitly than I do. Um, I've I've never had a client call me and say, um, "Would would you come in and help us raise our consciousness?" It just never <laughs> happened to me. So, what I'm aware of is when they do say, "We've got a transformation." Here's my criteria. It's their endeavor is transformational. They're going to hold themselves against realization metrics of outcomes, not installation. And they consider success with this program as an absolute organizational and personal imperative. If those three things are are true, then they're, they're they're in the space that I want to serve. And in that space... I, I say something very early, usually the first time we've met, that they kind of nod their head about, but becomes real over time. And that is something I mentioned just earlier. You're not going to transform this institution, CEO, unless you're willing to examine your own personal transformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. Getting into what does that mean occurs... In the in the reality of the moment, they realize that the level of courage they're going to have to find in themselves to go tell the board what's really going on, or the or the discomfort they're going to personally feel to go have this conversation with a key executive they've been dodging for eighteen months. At that, what's happening is they. Instead of just exploring the organizational dynamics, they're now having to be introspective about what do they have to bring to the table in order to do that? You and Dean and, and, and I ultimately end up in the same spot. <laughs> um, I, I think we're just getting there differently.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Well, Daryl, thank you for sharing so much of your thinking and your work at this point. I want to ask you, what's next for you? You know, we, we had a prior conversation and we both asked each other, us being well in our 70s, are you going to retire? Are you going to retire? <laughs> and you said, no, I'm at it full time, <laughs> as are we. So what do you see is next for you? So uh, the, the platforms
1: that I aspired to have to practice my craft, I'm blessed with having the platforms, um, blessed with incredible clients that are very serious about their changes and and really blessed with colleagues to get to work with. So, so from that standpoint, <laughs> um, I, I'm not seeking something else in that realm. My next step, Linda, is what I mentioned earlier. Um, my biggest fear is, is the next really big, sophisticated, complex, global, whatever that has brought to me, going to be beyond my reach i'm not going to be prepared um either technically prepared i'm not going to be enough of a conduit for for the answers to flow through me and get caught up in thinking they're coming from me whatever it is that's my that's what's next for me is to is to constantly look for how do i close the gaps that Unfortunately, I see every day what's next is less for me about I need a new thing and much yes. more about can I live up to the responsibility of the things that I have in front of me.
0: Yes. You know what's so beautiful about that given your entire history and the experience that you have and sharing with other with leaders and consultants about I use the word humbleness, humility um, no matter how much experience we have, we're always faced with hanging out in a question that we don't have a definitive answer to. And so the skills of hanging out in the question never leave us after 50 years. They never leave us. And here you're exemplifying that so beautifully um, in, in such a humane way. I think it sheds a imp- very important light and texture to the field.
1: Well, you and I have, have hung out long enough that you know that I've got pretty high control needs and I certainly have a a, a healthy ego. Um so <laughs> what what allows me to manage those two things is to be immersed in a really what I personally consider really important change for 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 the for the planet, for humanity. And and Accelerating complexity, so I, Linda, I feel like I've I've always got my nose just above water, and yes. and that's that's where the only way I know how to manage ego and arrogance is to is to not not swim in calm water. It's The only way I know how to do it. Right,
0: right, right. absolutely. Well, Daryl, you're a model of what it takes to be a master because there's a dot, dot, dot at the end of that why, <laughs> that you're a master at that. I want to thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself and being so open and vulnerable, as well as really concrete in your advice to leaders and change consultants. Any last thoughts before we close?
1: Yeah, I I want to take this shot at Uh, just expressing my appreciation for what you personally and you and Dean collectively have done, The, the contribution that you two have made to this profession, the seriousness with which year after year you've approached the work and, and, and not only dealt with those tangible fundamentals, but the, but the intangible mastery level, uh, uh, pursuits as well, and and providing environments for people to be able to explore that. I'm just I'm just really grateful that that the profession has been able to be on the receiving end of of what you guys have done, and 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 you know a podcast like this is it's not a surprise. It's like an extension of of what you've always done, um, uh, and I, I'm just very appreciative of of the investment that you guys have made I know you I know you invest in your clients and, and the practitioners you work with but the investment that you've made in the profession is you know, I, I'm just I'm just really pleased for the profession that it gets to be on the on the absorbing end of what you guys have had to offer
0: Beautiful. Well, I'm humbled and honored. Thank you for those kind words. That's great. And it adds fuel (laughs) to our passion as well as, you know, what I see in yours. So thanks for the time today. I really appreciate having known you all these years and continuing to know you and learn about you and appreciate the work and contribution you've made to the world. Thank you, Daryl.
1: Thanks for the opportunity to chat, Linda. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Today's subject is one of the key topics that we feature in our leading transformational change online program. If you'd like to learn more about leading transformational change, go to beingfirst.com forward slash LTC. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I hope you gain some valuable insights for your work. Please send me your questions and challenges by going to askdrchange.com.